Welcome to the Echo Cast. I am Morgan, aka Bond, and this is a podcast talking about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms in almost every genre. This week, we'll be talking about the PlayStation State of Play, new NPD numbers, the Division's anniversary, machine learning, AI patents, and more. Please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast, as well as share it on social media with your friends and with your grandma. If your platform allows it, please review. This is mostly talking to you all on iTunes and Spotify. It helps the show get noticed. If you're on YouTube, please leave a comment. If you have thoughts on the show, a question for me to discuss next week or to just help the algorithm. And last, hit that little thumbs up. If, if you like the YouTube video, it helps it get noticed a lot. Last, if you're on Discord, please join the show's channel. Link is down in the description or over on my Twitter. So we can talk about games, the podcast, sports, or anything else that fits your fancy. Gaming news, let's jump right in. So we had a PlayStation State of Play this week, and needless to say, wasn't exactly what the kids call a banger. Um, There were a few notable things, at least to me. Um, Returnal is getting a DLC. It's a game I have zero interest in, um, but it was really highly rated, um, really well-reviewed, and um, getting a DLC is a big deal. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking out for, I believe it's Housemark and what they're going to be doing next, uh, whether it's going to be like a Returnal 2 or a whole new IP. There was also a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles collection. So it's a bunch of games all the way from like some like really old Nintendo games and arcade games and things like that. Um, this looks really fun. This is one I, I didn't get a chance to look, but I'm assuming this is going to be multi-platform. And if it's cheap enough, I may snag it. And I wouldn't be surprised if this shows up on Game Pass at some point. The last one is actually a game that will be on Game Pass. Um, is Trek to Yomi. It was kind of a side-scroller ninja uh, kind of game. Um or samurai type game it is very very pretty it's black and white it's very stylized very cool looking um kind of weird that they're putting a game pass game on here i thought um you would think that i mean that i assume sony has the marketing rights to the game so that's why they are the ones showing it but hey all good um other than that man not all that impressive i i think a big point people are trying to make is how they do a sh- they do showcases specifically when they have like a big game to reveal or gameplay to show. So like when they did um, Horizon Forbidden West, they they had its own show for like twenty or thirty minutes. Um, I'm sure probably later this year they're gonna have a God of War Ragnarok show, and it's gonna be all about that. And and those will be hype, obviously. This one wasn't. Um, it was rough. There was a lot of weird stuff. It was really like a Square Enix show. Um, and it has actually fueled a lot of people wondering, like, man, <laughs> PlayStation's probably looking to acquire something right now. Uh, they sure showed a whole bunch of love to Square Enix right now. Um, and so we'll have to see kind of what comes of that, if anything. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The general reception of this was a big, like, okay. Um, which is what it seems like people should expect, but they still don't, right? So that's cool. Um, so it, it was uh, pretty badly timed because shortly before the show, um, a big uh, bit of info came out talking about how um, uh, that there's a pretty large number of allegations. Um, coming from people within some uh, various studios, this has been known, and some new allegations about sexual harassment and discrimination. Um, I I would suggest just looking it up if you want the exact details. 
Uh, but it seems like the story kind of went, there were allegations. Sony kind of took the stance of, well, there's nothing specific. And then a whole bunch of people came forward with very specific allegations. Um, you know, this isn't a thing I think that you can really dunk on one platform or another. Um, I'm not aware that Xbox or any of their studios have had issues with this specifically, but Microsoft as a company definitely has, um, you know, obviously we're going through all this stuff with Activision right now, which is coincidentally being purchased by Microsoft. Um, I mean, Ubisoft has been a really big one that's probably caught the least amount of flack for it. Um, and, and has, definitely done a a very clear PR job to try to kind of tamp it away and be like, yeah, 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 we're taking care of stuff while they're probably not. Um, so I don't know, man, this sucks so much. It's, uh, this comes, I'm recording this on a Friday, the same day that if you're an American and you pay attention to football, Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Jackson, uh, Deshaun Watson, who's a, who was a quarterback for an NFL team had a litany of allegations of him having this pattern of getting uh, masseuse uh, jobs uh, on this app or or through, I think it was, I want to say Craigslist and stuff, um, where a masseuse would come, you know, to, to massage him, which is really common for athletes, especially high-level ones. And then he would press the issue to make it something more than a massage and would basically force people into doing things that they weren't really there to do. And... um Unfortunately, you know, or maybe fortunately to the rule of the law, depending on how you look at it, um, he didn't get indicted. The a grand jury um, wouldn't press charges. Um, unfortunately, this is really common, even if they're legitimate allegations. Um, those allegations are hard to prove. And, uh, you know, this, you know, that was a really high profile story. I feel like the gaming stories tend to be more localized to gamers. But... I just, um, I don't know. It's, it, it really, you know, gaming is something that brings so much joy and happiness and relaxation, um, and tears and laughs and all this to people. And, you know, between crunch and the low pay and, um, you know, these allegations of discrimination and sexual harassment or even worse, you know, it, it kind of puts a stain on games a little bit, right? Where you, you, you hope that the people who are making the things that make you so happy are excited and happy and motivated and killing it. And then you realize that at least some of the people who make these games you love are always looking over their shoulder, are afraid to walk into the parking lot by themselves are afraid to ask for a raise or a promotion or they do and they get passed up. And that is, you know, heartbreaking. Um, it, you know, as an adult, I'm a 33 year old man, almost 34. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just not naive enough anymore to like look past all these issues and, and, you know, I'm raising a daughter who I'm hoping doesn't have to deal with this stuff as she gets older, which, you know, she can only do so much about. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's really important to acknowledge these things and talk about them. And, um, you know, you don't want to sap all the joy out of gaming. It's similar to what's going on with the Ukraine situation. Like I understand that people go to games to escape. So when there's things like, uh, you know, there's controversy going on with Tarkov and things like that, where there's streamers and creators there who are literally like censoring and blocking out any kind of mention of this situation that's going on that unfortunately is attached to that game in some capacity, you know, that in the stance is, well, you know, games are fun. I stream for fun. I, you know, that's not what we're here for is talking about those issues. Well, you know, at some point you don't get to pick and choose what you're comfortable with or not. Um, and, you know, especially in situations like this where it, it is such a, you know, games are awesome and they're so fun and they're, and they're incredible. Um, but if we just plug our ears and cover our eyes and just try to pretend like everything's perfect, um, 
it, it's it's doing a disservice to those people. It's doing a disservice to those games. I, I guess my thing is like, like I I still like the NFL and watching football, despite knowing that there's more than a handful and probably dozens of really atrociously awesome, awful people in, in that league who I watch every Sunday. Um, and my way of dealing with that is to call out at every possible chance, these awful individuals. Um, and it makes me not feel as bad about still enjoying the product, right? I feel similar to games here. Um, while I haven't enjoyed Ubisoft games for quite a while, if they put out a game I'm excited about, I, I won't not enjoy it, but I also think it's good to not forget that you know there's a lot of stuff going on there and there's a lot of stuff not really being very well addressed and um it, it's kind of weird uh I, i've noticed you know i'm a, I'm a ubisoft star player so when sony or activision or, or ubisoft for me has this stuff come up um i've noticed that there's a lot of people in a similar position to me who have just blocked it out and just ignore it even to the point of me mentioning this issue in a star player uh air private area and essentially being ignored or even berated to a point um yeah interesting so you know it's it's okay to still enjoy these games it's, it's okay to just try to dive into a game and and, and, and escape uh heavens knows we all need a chance to escape um, with with the last few years, especially, um, but I, I think it's I think it's still important to pay attention to this stuff, to seek it out, and understand what's going on, and to let your own conscience kind of dictate if you want to not associate with the thing anymore, or at least be vocal and supportive um, uh, with efforts to stop those things from happening. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not a black or white thing. It's it's there's lots of gray. And there's lots of room to um, to do what you want to do. And we'll move on from that very vague statement. So the next one is, I think I'm going to try to start doing this. Um, the MPD numbers. So MPD is an association that tracks sales of lots of things. And um, lots of gaming outlets use their numbers to kind of talk about what's popular in gaming. So for February, uh, the rankings for hardware, this is for sales, uh, was number one was Switch, go figure. Number two was Xbox Series, S and X, and PlayStation 5. So there's a few things that come from this. One, Switch is just, you know, Nintendo is just such a juggernaut. They're, they're so much just doing their thing on the side, man. Uh, they aren't really trying to directly compete with Xbox and PlayStation. And they're in their pocketbooks are probably doing very well for that. Um, so good for them. It's not a, a, pl a platform I'm really interested in, but it's one that I respect greatly. Um, go figure. A bunch of the people with a name and a bunch of numbers after their username on Twitter were upset about uh, Xbox being ahead of PlayStation. Um, the main gripe I saw was people talking about how it's not fair that the series S and X are counted together on these numbers. And that's the only way that it outsold PlayStation. The, I mean, the real measurement is just since all of these systems are still basically go getting sold as soon as they're distributed, it's just about who can make more. Um, it's, it's not really one's better than the other. It's just a matter of, there were probably a lot more PlayStation or uh, Xbox series S's on the shelves or on websites to buy. I bet three quarters of these sales were probably series S's. I, I, I still think series X is pretty rare. Um, now one thing I do find interesting about that is that I never see PlayStation fans, uh, and I like both systems. I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. Um, it's just whenever I see people complain about S and X being counted together, I never see anyone complaining about the disc and disc list being counted together for PlayStation. Um, I still would be really interested to see how many digital uh, digital PS5s are being made and sold. Because if people remember back when the systems came out, there was kind of a weird discrepancy of like, uh, this was before COVID. Um, there was like a handful, like stores were getting like 
a pretty good number of of disc PS5s that were $500. And then like a couple discless ones, digital ones. And there was kind of this commentary going around of like, did Sony, like they aren't really going to, they're not even going to make that many digital ones because they just wanted to be able to say they had a $400 system that in theory you could get, um, even if they basically don't make any. And so that $400, uh, you know, number isn't really attainable. You're, you're going to pay 500 for the disc version. Cause it's the only one they're going to make in mass. So I'm really curious to how many of the PlayStation fives being sold are, are digital. I bet it's very, very, very few. Um, I think when Xbox came out swinging and showing off the Series S that was only 300 and then their Series X, it's five. I really think that, I, I mean, obviously the digital version was planned for a long time. They didn't come up with that with PlayStation in response. I, I do think that there's definitely something to be said for that. Like they, they probably never really intended to make that many digitals. Um, it was just they wanted to have a $400 price point, even if it wasn't attainable. But we'll see. I mean, good for Xbox. I mean, whether it's only because of their ability to get systems in stores or not, it's still it's still good to be selling stuff. So good for them. We'll have to see how much longer it's going to be until this stuff evens out. I think it's going to be quite a while, if you want me to be totally honest. For software, for games, the top 10 was, go figure, Elden Ring, um, followed up by Horizon Forbidden West, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Dying Light 2, Total War Warhammer 3, Call of Duty Vanguard, Madden 22, Mario Kart 8, FIFA 22, and Minecraft. I actually want to work backwards here and just commentate on a few things. Minecraft, still top 10, crazy. I believe they had an update not too long ago, so that might be pushing numbers a little bit, but I'm surprised Grand Theft Auto V is not here, but I'm sure it's 11th or 12th. FIFA 22, yeah, not surprising. Mario Kart, my God, like, holy crap. Um, Madden 22, of course. Uh, Call of Duty Vanguard, sure, naturally. Total War Warhammer 3, uh, extremely impressive in my opinion. That's a Total War, I mean, that strategy genre is pretty niche at this point. And so for it to be number five blows my mind. That's pretty impressive. I, I think that people, especially people like me, very much underestimate the size of the Warhammer community for sure. Dying Light 2 still holding on. Um, I would argue that that's a big part of it's not that old. And there's only so many big games that have really come out this year so far. So it's kind of hanging on there. Pokemon Legends Arcade. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's Pokemon and it's fairly new. So it's going to be doing well. Horizon Forbidden West is pretty impressive, especially because it's only on one platform. Um, and then I bet there's a pretty giant gap between two and one here with Elden Ring. I think that there's been reports that they may have sold up to 15 million copies already. That's bonkers. I'm still, Elden Ring is obviously like a masterpiece, is obviously the, the best example of that, of their own type of game they've ever made. I, I still think that there's going to be a rebound here eventually. Once ever, once the hype is kind of dropped and people are like, yeah, this is good, but um, I think that's going to come in sooner than later. But I, I mean, the streamers are streaming it. The YouTubers are making videos. The the, the social media people are blowing up. Um, I mean, the, the hype continues and good for them. It's not my type of thing. I definitely think from what I've observed and, and watched and listened to and stuff, it sounds like it probably should have been like an eight or a nine out of 10 rather than like a universal 10 out of 10 game. But Hey, it's having its moment. Who am I to judge? I haven't played it. So, um, I've only been observing and, um, yeah, I, I hope if anyone who's listening is playing it, I hope you're having a good time and you haven't broken any controllers yet. Cause I've seen a few people, uh, who tend to be pretty chill, not be very chill about this game. 
Uh, next story is the Division One six-year anniversary was on March 8th. So um, if you're listening to me, there's a decent chance that you started with me um, through the Division. I started off doing like screenshots back in 2016-17, um, doing screenshots, build guides, stuff like that. Slowly kind of got to know a lot of people in the community, started doing YouTube videos and streaming and uh, and then I started a podcast in 2018. Yeah. We're almost at our five-year anniversary, four-year anniversary uh, in, a few, in a couple weeks. So pretty crazy. Um, and for a good two years, two and a half years-ish, this was a division podcast only. It's the only thing I talked about. Um, and that was pretty easy in 18 and 19 uh, when Division 2 got announced and then when it came out. Uh, and then it got a little tough, and that's why I changed this to a more general uh, gaming podcast. And obviously, we still mention Division pretty often. And uh, and it's a game I have a ton of great memories. I, I got to go to E3 because of the Division. Uh, all expenses paid by Ubisoft, which was pretty cool. I went as a star player. Gonna be straight up, that wasn't as cool. One, because I hate the association in hindsight. And two, because they shepherded us around like children, and that um, wasn't my favorite part. Uh, but I, it was—I got to meet a lot of devs. I got to do a lot of stuff that was really cool and very once in a lifetime kind of thing. Especially because there's a good chance that 2019 was the final E3. Um, we'll have to see what happens in the future. But I may have got to experience the second-to-last moment of history there. Um, and so, you know, obviously I had lots of fun with division one, um, played it for multiple thousands of hours and, uh, and, you know, I, I had a, probably even more fun with division two, even though I had so much less play time. I think I'm around 650 or 700 hours and, um, you know, we're in a lull right now with that game and that series. Um, I think the future is brighter than people give it credit for. Uh, you know, there's more DLC coming for Division 2. Um, there, there's this Heartland game supposedly coming. There's a movie supposedly coming. I'm really starting to doubt that. I think that movie is dead. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, I have no reason to really believe that. I need to hit up my buddy Ross and Thurber and see if I can get him on the show again. But it looks like he's up to a lot of other stuff when we were all kind of expecting him to be shooting division right now. And so I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I do believe there will be a division three one day. Um, oh, and the mobile division, which is coming at some point. Um, I, I do think division three happens. It used to be a wish thing for me. And now it's becoming more of a, I actually think this is going to happen. I think when the division returns, it will be like a, at least a light reboot. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the division three is going to be a very different game. I say that very vaguely, maybe a little bit with some wink winks behind it, mostly with just a, the division tried to chase destiny one, the first destiny it failed. It didn't do it really. It, it was its own thing. It was really good for what it was. And then D Division 2 tried to chase Destiny 2. And, you know, they tried to jump on to that looter uh, thing. And it just never worked. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not the strength of the game, right? And um, I don't think. I know a lot of people love it. But uh, I my prediction is that we will eventually see a division game that uh, looks looks a little different than what we've seen before so I um, I, I think that it, it that's not necessarily a bad thing I, I think it's okay if they change genres because I think destiny kind of owns that genre I, I, I don't I, I don't think that genre is getting more popular uh, I think it's building on its laurels. Um, I, I, I just, I think that the division has a really cool world and a really cool story to tell and some really cool characters and all of those things get extremely 
neglected by it being a looter shooter. I know people are all giddy on the, the Destiny story. Uh, maybe it's gotten really good in the last couple of years, but that story has always been a B-movie action thing to me. And um, no, that's just my opinion. I think it's kind of lame. But uh, I just I think the Division IP has some really good stories to tell. And unless they basically change the genre, we will never get to hear those stories. Not in the way that they should be presented. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, six-year anniversary for Division 1. I mean, it's a big deal, man. <laughs> the Division 1 was a, a big deal to me, and it's still definitely in my top three or top five in games ever. Um, and probably tied with Division 2 wherever it lies uh, for different reasons. But congrats, Division 1. You did it. The next one, an EA machine learning AI patent was found. Um, so I did a video on this this week or last week. Uh, with uh, talking about its implications for Mass Effect. Um, long story short, there was this patent that got discovered. Um, there's a chance it might be from actually a couple years ago, but it's still fun to talk about. Where the the idea behind the patent was to try to lock up a, a technology for EA to use in their games, where um, so the, basically the way that stories and AI works both in video games is this like insanely complicated these insanely complicated systems they use where it's like if this happens then this and then if that happens then that and and that's how like there's some videos on like snowdrop for the division and, and other you know engines as well that shows like logic and stuff and how things happen and it's even like like when player enters this room and these coordinates then this effect will happen and this sound will happen and it's the same with the ai when player character shoots at ai ai will find nearest cover and then will return cover and then after so much time we'll move to this spot and all of that stuff is obviously like really intensive right and so this this tech that was um, discovered in this patent is supposed to be like a machine learning thing. And the best way for me to explain why that's a big deal is if they can manage to allow AI to kind of control itself and not receive constant streams of data to tell it what to do all the time, there's a chance that you can start getting games back on systems and not have to rely on streaming data. Uh, a really, really good example, and if there's any Division fans listening, um, I don't know how many people even know that the way Snowdrop works, um, the Division's AI, I think, is extremely good, especially compared to Looters, where you have a game like, like Warframe or Destiny, where the enemies literally just stand there and just, like, turn and shoot, and they might, like, dodge a little bit, but they're stupid. Like, they're really, really dumb. The AI in the division is really impressive, especially division two. And the reason they're able to do that is because all of the AI actions get controlled by the server. That's why when you lose connection to server, all the NPCs just stand there and don't do anything. Um, it's why uh, there's been issues with like lag and stuff like that, because if you don't have a great connection, if you don't have a powerful machine, you know, it's going to struggle there. And so there is um th this patent is, is kind of twofold it looks like it could impact the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay of ai and trying to take that load off of servers and be able to keep it on your system especially for single player games um so that they don't have to invest in servers one and two so you know you can have that whole experience just on your on your machine and not have to rely on an internet connection the other part of the patent that you know that there were some allusions to is the idea that you could like right now like in a story game like mass effect of course it's what i'm gonna bring up if if i do this with if i say this thing to that person then when i speak to this other person that will have triggered them to react in this way but they're everything they do is programmed so the idea that they kind of presented in this patent is this idea of like anticipation by the ai and the ability obviously still within some scripted boundaries 
for an AI to like anticipate what you're going to do based on previous actions and potentially impact the story in a way that you wouldn't have expected, which is honestly super cool in my opinion. Um, it's, it's a very interesting thing. And so the reason the way I found this story was because, um, some people were like, EA's patented this. Now there's a chance they patented it like years ago. I haven't seen anyone actually like show this patent, but I saw one that was very similar from three or four years ago. Um, and the implication obviously, uh, is, uh, potentially seen as in an RPG, especially the upcoming Dragon Age and the upcoming Mass Effect games. So, uh, I mean, because of the patent status, there's a really good chance this patent is from like, you know, four years ago and they stopped developing it three years ago. You know, um, they patent these things to protect in case it works out and they like it and it works. Um, th there's lots of patents that have never been used for anything. So, uh, it's just a fun little story. It was it, the, the patent is cool. The one I found. Um, and if they can implement that type of stuff from a practical point of view, it's cool because you can stop leaning on servers and streaming data to get your AI to work. Uh, from the storytelling point of view, it would be cool to just see more dynamic storytelling. Uh, speaking of Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect 3's 10-year anniversary, it was on March 6th, it was, a, it was a week of anniversaries of games that mean a lot to me. Um, unfortunately, myself and some others were really hoping that maybe we'd get just a little bit of a, a little hint, a little clue, a little something uh, for the next game, but we didn't. Um, actually, today I saw um, that... Uh, a YouTuber who I'm not super familiar with, Michael Tr uh, Michael Tucker, um, who is a really really large large YouTuber uh, who focuses on like film study and story study, uh, has signed on specifically to work on Mass Effect at Bioware. I actually saw some people talking about how they thought he might get tapped to work on the supposed Amazon TV series for Mass Effect, but it looks like he's working on the game. Um, through browsing some of this guy's um, stuff his videos and tweets and stuff like that it's it looks like they've found someone who is very educated and very experienced with storytelling and and stuff so that sounds freaking awesome um and there should be some excitement to that if they're bringing in people like that that means they're probably gung all in on working on whatever the story is going to be at this point so uh so exciting stuff for you know the, the other Mass Effect uh, aficionados, it's I my Mass Effect fandom is so awkward for me because like, I mean, literally, I'm that person who like just saw Saving Prior, Private Ryan for the first time and is talking to everyone around me as if it's like the like it's new. Like, I know Mass Effect isn't new. Like my excitement for it is so lame because everyone has been excited for it, got over it, got gotten excited again got over it excited for andromeda soul crushed and then excited again for legendary and then not all in like a 13 year span and then here in the last you know 11 10 months i've like been like oh my god how does no one know about this game so uh it, it's it was a bummer to not get any major news but it was cool seeing this um this individual uh kind of go out public saying like hey i'm working on mass effect and uh, I, I want to watch some more of his videos and kind of get some more insight from him. Um, but it's pretty exciting uh, that they're bringing on some what seem to be some pretty heavy hitters to work on that next game. Speaking of next games, uh, the next big game from PlayStation was going to be Forspoken. And it's not going to be the next game anymore. Um, October 11th is the new date. It was supposed to come out in May. It got delayed. I'm really... I don't have a PlayStation at this point. I, I actually would like one eventually um, so I can play some of these games. I, I have a real hankering to play The Last of Us 2. Um, and if they remaster the first game, I would love to play that. That'd be really cool. Um, but this Forspoken, I, I, one of the writers is Gary Witta, who is uh, associated with um, Kind of Funny, the, the podcast group I like. Uh, he also wrote Rogue One, which you know please don't kill me i think might be the best star wars movie in my opinion like maybe better than the pre than the original trilogy but definitely up there at least um definitely better than the prequels and the sequels in my opinion um and so i, I like gary a lot um and and 
we haven't we don't know much about the story so his part of this game might be great i think forspoken looks incredibly generic and it's like it looks like it's gonna be like a visual like exciting thing a visually exciting thing but i don't know i it just looks like another if, if the dawn is listening you'll appreciate this this call out but uh the the the, the playstation game look it's a third person over the shoulder action adventure game with beautiful graphics um it's just man i would love to see them put out a first person shooter man <laughs> like i it's it's just odd i mean i know they just played gran turismo that got like pretty good reviews um seemed to kind of pale in comparison to horizon but it wouldn't surprise me if when forza 8 comes out they review the similar because just like like simulating um like like simulation racing games are very very niche and um in in those games try to make it exciting and i definitely think gran turismo and forza appeal to a broader audience than those like hardcore racing sims but i mean horizon is so fun because it's like it's just it's it's a racing game but it's like not it's like an exploration game and it's a visual feast and they does the sound design is so good and the way that they hit your dopamine receptors is so good um I just I would love to see I want to see PlayStation reach out a little bit. Obviously, acquiring this uh, or Bungie may help with that, even though it sounds like their games coming up are going to be um, multi-platform. And the funny part is, is that supposedly the next Bungie game is going to be a third person game. <laughs> so then being acquired by PlayStation makes sense now. Um, but yeah, for spoken delayed, I mean, that's definitely a bummer for people excited about it. I just, I'm not personally like, like, it's not like a system seller to me. Like I don't see for spoken and think like, oh my God, I have to find a PlayStation, but that's just me. Uh, and then the last story here has been kind of just a thing because of the people I follow on Twitter and stuff. Uh, this Ubisoft versus Elden Ring map debate. Um, so there's been a bunch of memes posted this week about if Elden Ring was made by Ubisoft and it shows the map covered in markers, obviously this has been kind of a rip on Ubisoft for years now that they have these very samey kind of game mechanics where you jump in and there's some big thing happening and you have to find all these towers so you can open up parts of the map and then you open your map and you have all these little icons of things that you have to go do. Like, it's the Ubisoft thing, right? It's not just Ubisoft, but... um what was interesting about it was that uh obviously that was going on and it's a fair criticism i think of ubi but then an ubisoft dare a dev dared dared to criticize elden rings ui just kind of in general um and from watching i bet i've watched 40 hours of elden ring gameplay on streams like during the day when i'm working i have it off on a little window on the side and it's UI, it sucks. It's not, there's a lot of things wrong with Elden Ring, but the things that are good are really, really, really good. And it kind of seems like the hype and kind of the fandom right now isn't allowing people to be like, oh, it is amazing, but it does have some issues. It seems like there's a lot of people and heaven forbid an Ubisoft dev has an opinion, uh, you know, because one dev represents the entire company. And, um, and I really hate the idea of like, yeah, this guy works at Ubisoft. He's probably like, an environmental designer he probably makes like grass right and if he doesn't like the ui of elden ring that's okay and he probably doesn't make ui and if he does still he can still have an opinion um i don't know and one thing that really bums me out is that there's a lot of like really big creators uh, in the gaming space um who really kind of tried to preach like you know like being like anti-toxicity and all this stuff and then you see them like tweeting up these memes and retweeting them and stuff like that and like it's all in good fun i get it um but it's also kind of pushing that narrative and kind of fueling that narrative which i think sucks um you know i i think an ubisoft dev is allowed to criticize another game even if the games that they work on or probably don't work on um aren't the best aren't elden ring um, there was one really funny comment that was like, Ubisoft hasn't made a good game in 10 years. And like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, Ubisoft has made a bunch of good games in the last 10 years. Uh, and just because a bunch of social media nerds don't like Assassin's Creed or Siege 
or Far Cry or The Division or whatever. Um, I mean, they had, you know, I, I looked specifically 10 years ago, they had Far Cry 3 and Ghost Recon Future Soldier. Uh, and I think the Assassin's Creed, I think it was Assassin's Creed 3. Um, like those are three really good games. And then since then, like Origin, like Assassin's Creed Origins was good. Odyssey was pretty good. I don't like Valhalla, but the numbers it's doing and the insane amount of content that game's getting, it must be good, even if I don't care for it. Um, Siege is still one of the biggest things in the world and in all of gaming. Um, you know, Far Cry is Far Cry is Far Cry. The Division is the little engine that could but they won't let it, but it still does great. It's, as much as I will criticize a lot of things with Ubisoft and, and even the division, um, I'm really frustrated with the division and how it's been handled. I will still die on the hill of the division one and especially two are extremely good games, like excellent games that there's no other games that do it like the division or division two. Um, and I don't think any other games are trying to, but like, the division's the only looter shooter I like. I don't like Warframe. I don't like Destiny. I didn't like Outriders. None of those games appeal to me. They, I have no interest. They are so boring to me. But the division, I like despite its looter situation because it's a good game. It feels good to play. It's satisfying to look at. It, you know, it isn't meant to be played 24 7 for years, unfortunately. But, you know, the 150, 200 hours most people can get out of it are excellent. And yeah, some of the narrative there was pretty stupid. And unfortunately for, for a lot of reasons, Ubisoft still deals with its old trope of Ubisoft bad. Now I think they deserve it for some of the issues we talked about before, but you know, not, not every person is guilty of that. So, okay. So let's jump into some listener questions. The first one here is Tay. Um, I will try to remember to link Tay's YouTube in the description here. Um, Tay does a bunch of, uh, I want to say Dragon Age and Mass Effect content, and they have the best voice ever. I love this person's voice. So I'll try to remember to um, to, to put the, a link to their channel in, in the description uh, for you to check out. Um, Tay's question is your thoughts on Dragon Age. Um, I've like kind of chatted about it a little bit. I have only ever played Inquisition. Um, and I've only got maybe five to 10 hours in it. Um, and, and it was just in the last three months that I tried it. I just can't, I'm not a high fantasy type. I'm not, um, like a medieval kind of type of person. It, it's just, it just doesn't appeal to me for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just my copy or if it's just the way the game is. The game looks atrocious on my series x um but it has the fps boost so it's really funny you have 60 frames on this thing uh, on this game but it just looks muddy and just it's not very attractive and um yeah i i'm not into the series um i will absolutely be playing um dragon age 4 though um partially because i'm just Burton for a, a Bioware game, something new, uh, because I'm currently on my sixth playthrough of Mass Effect. And uh, as much as I think, oh my God, or am I on my seven? No, it's six. Okay. Um, I'm probably going to finish it in the next week or two, and I'm probably going to start another one up because there's a decent chance that nothing is going to grab my interest until Starfield late this year, uh, other than maybe some of this division content that maybe is coming one day. Uh, but Dragon Age, I mean, it, it obviously, I mean, I, it seems like it's fandom rivals Mass Effect. Um, it seems like there's a lot of crossover, um, but it also seems like it's got its own really dedicated fans. And so um, it's not something I'm super familiar with personally, um, but I'm extremely excited to check it out. And I uh, am really interested to see where Bioware is at. Um, I am not going to consider this next Dragon Age quite the barometer that a lot of other people seem to be um it, it's i see a lot of people being like well if this dragon age doesn't do well this the next mass effect is going to get canceled or how good this dragon age game is directly will tell us how good the mass effect game will be i don't think so this dragon age game has gone through a lot of turmoil um losing lead devs uh, multiple ones it was supposed to be like a 
like an MMO or like a very cooperative um, game at one point. And then they pulled that back and they decided to make it, I think a, a single player only experience that won't be the live service. That's it. It was going to be this big live service game. And I think Andromeda kind of scared the crap out of them and the Anthem big time, probably even worse. Um, and I, I'm excited. I think it will give us some hints about what's going on over Bioware and kind of where they're at. Um, but the fact that it's still on Frost or Frostbite, uh, where the next Mass Effect is going to be on Unreal, I just think there's a lot of things that won't really tell us much. But I'm excited to see what they're cooking up. They've been working on this a long time. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see it and I'm excited to play it. And I believe that looks like it's coming either next summer or next fall maybe early 2024 but i'm willing to bet it'll be late 2023 so we'll have to wait and see and then master prime comes in with um does every game have to be the next big thing i think it depends i think for the average player and the average consumer of video games no i think most people have a few franchises they stand for and they play every time one comes out and then they kind of keep an eye out for new things that they're interested in. But like a lot of people don't care that Elden Ring came out. They don't care about Forbidden West or whatever. They're excited about the next FIFA that's coming out or the next Madden or next Call of Duty or whatever. And so I think the, the, the kind of worship or the kind of focus on the next big thing comes a lot from how big gaming um, media has gotten reviewers, content creators, stuff like that, because like there's a content creator who I follow who follows me and they shouldn't because they're way too big. I'm sure they have me muted, you know, but like this person seems like a genuinely good person, but I've never seen them talk about a game for more than a week. And it makes their content really almost impossible for me to care about. I just, I don't watch any of it because it's just so blatantly like, okay, next big thing is out. I'm going to do videos about the next big thing until the next, next big thing. And it just feels so soulless. Now from a business perspective, I completely understand. I don't blame them, but um, yeah, I think the next big thing thing is very much a, a construct of creators and, and, and stuff like that. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I think it can create a lot of FOMO and a lot of um, anxiety and bad feelings for people who watch them and regular Joe's. Um, like I, I am pretty like, like Elden Ring is selling great because it's a very good game and it deserves it. But I would, I bet that Elden Ring is going to have a very high percentage of people who buy it and then play it like five hours and never touch it again, because you get, you get caught up in the hype. If you, especially if you listen to gaming podcasts and watch gaming, YouTube videos and watch gaming, Twitch channels, you, know, you see, a, and you get this FOMO, this fear of missing out and you're like, Oh man, like I would need to play that. Everyone loves it. And then you get it and it's like, it's still a very niche game. And I, I know I wouldn't like it. I, I'm just, I, I think I would appreciate it, but I, I wouldn't play it. Like, you know, there's, there's people who, I mean, it's taking, it looks like on average 50, 60, 70, 80 hours to finish that game. And like, not just like taking your time like taking your time it looks like it's 130 140 150 hours and no no especially in this medieval high fantasy world i just don't care about um but i just i i think that you know we, with elden ring we've seen this next big thing you know happen um it just so happened to be a very good game that's been boosted big time by this next big thing now, what's the next big thing? I have no idea. I If Ragnarok, if God of War comes out this year, that would probably be the next big thing. The next big thing for me is Starfield because I think Bethesda is about to blow everyone's socks off with a new engine and introduce a new IP for the first time in like 20 years. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's But does everything, yeah. I think everything does have to be the next big thing to a certain group of people who unfortunately speak to a really big group of people, but that's okay. Uh, and thank so thank you too, for those questions. Uh, if you have any questions, please, please leave them in the comments or on my Twitter or in my discord or wherever, uh, you know, uh, you can email me. It's in my, uh, in, in my links on my, uh, on my Twitter. So, uh, for content updates, like I said before, uh, we do have, um, 
uh, I created a Mass Effect fan club on Twitter. Um, some people have access to this this community tab in Twitter now. It makes me mad because it bumped my list down to a sub menu, which is annoying. Um, so I created this Mass Effect fan club. The biggest problem is there's no discovery. Like you can't search for communities. Uh, and so I've been trying to put it out there like, hey, check this out. And what it basically does is it lets you send tweets only to people in that group. So you you you, you set up a tweet and when you click on the tweet, it has a little drop down above it that says everyone or you click on it and you can select a club if you want to uh, or a, a community. And so if you select the community, that tweet is only seen to the people in that community and it shows it in a list of tweets under the community. So there is a Mass Effect fan club. If you're interested, you can check it out on my Twitter. It's at Bond Diesel. Um, and then the other thing is just a general update. So for the last like two months, um, Bay Diesel has been putting together a pretty substantial play for her school. And um, that has meant that I've been much busier with my father duties and I've just been too tired and just too busy to stream that much. Um, I hope to get that going again next week. Um, there's a few games I want to try out for the first time. I'm sure I'll play some mass effect. Um, I, I might maybe do like an Andromeda playthrough on, um, on stream. I'm maybe I'll keep playing inquisition on stream. Maybe some inquisition fans can help me out with it because I just can't get into it. Um, so that I do plan on keeping coming these podcasts once a week. I have no desire to stop doing that. Um, YouTube videos. I've actually gotten, I feel like into a pretty good groove with having a nice format that I enjoy doing with YouTube videos. Obviously it's mostly been mass effect. Um, but I am willing to do other games as well as they pique my interest, but it's just right now it's Mass Effect for me and I would rather do a video speculating about a game that's not going to come out for four years than talk about other stuff right now. And when that changes, I'm sure when Division gives us anything, I'll do some videos on that. Uh, when that content comes out, I'll definitely stream it. Um, but I do want to get back into that game a bit. Um, and, uh, and, the, and, the, and Bay Diesel has assured me that she will make sure I get uh, some free time. I've been putting in some... Uh, I, I watch our daughter a lot in general, uh, but it's definitely been a bit of overtime lately and it's awesome. It's the best. I mean, I'm going to be straight up. I would rather spend time with her than streaming, um, but I need my time too. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to get back to that. And that's where we're, uh, we're going to start wrapping this baby up. So um, you can find me all over the internet at, uh, as Bond Diesel, um, including on Twitter, YouTube, and on Twitch. Uh, please check out my EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at the links in the description below and on my Twitter. And that's all I have. So until next time.